welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Welcome to episode number eight of A Congruent Life. My name is Andy Gray, and I'd like to personally thank each of you for joining us here today. A Congruent Life is about sharing the stories of people who have done the work to figure out what it means for them to live an authentic life, and then actually go do it. Today I'm talking with my friend Joel Blunk. Joel used to play professional football in the USFL, and had an opportunity to play for Don Shula in the NFL. It's a great story that taught Joel a lot. I find it to be quite profound, and I hope that you enjoy it too. I'm talking today to Joel Blunk. Joel is a pastor at State College, Pennsylvania, a storyteller and songwriter, and and definitely is a, a man who's looking to inspire people to pay attention to their gifts and the unique ways that they can make contributions in the world. He's a musician, a father, a spouse, and I think got a lot to teach us. So Joel, thank you for spending this time with us and welcome to A Congruent Life. Well, thank you, Andy. As I think you know, the mission of this project, A Congruent Life, is really about living authentically, trying to find authentic ways of being in the world. So what does it mean to you to live authentically or congruently? Well, to me, it means finding a place where you can be true to your essence and true to who it is that you feel called to be in the world. It's hard for me to not answer that question in a theological way in terms of wanting to understand why each of us has been created, that I trust that our lives are intentional and that uh, there's a reason why we're here and that we each have unique gifts to, to bring to the world and that uh, to live authentically is, is to be true to our, our best selves and to the real essence of why we're here and, and what our purpose is in living. I'm fond of a phrase by Frederick Buechner, which says that God calls us to that place where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And I think when we find that, that we have found what is most true about who we are and what we have to offer to something larger than ourselves. How did you come to discover this for yourself in your own personal journey? Well, I, you know, for me personally, I think it was just paying attention to what it was that brought me the most alive and what I was most enthusiastic about and passionate about. And when I was young, that was very clearly for me, both physical activity or athletics and, and also music. I've, you know, always loved to sing and mostly in less formal ways, though I found myself given the opportunity to perform and to make music and to be in front of people, though that didn't come very easily for me. I had to sort of overcome stage fright to get up in front of people to play the guitar and to sing and really learn to play the guitar more to accompany myself as a singer than anything else. And athletically, just at a very young age, found it very liberating or exciting to be climbing on things or be running through the grass or to be catching a ball. And that itself provided me with a number of opportunities as I was growing up to to be a part of 
teams or to be a part of friendly competition and and then you know that also created other opportunities to to play in school and to be a part of teams and to be a part of recruiting processes that led to college opportunities that I might not have had if I hadn't been an athlete. So to me, it's just paying attention to what brings one most alive, what uh, Joseph Campbell talked about is your bliss. If you follow your bliss, you're on the right path, and that's certainly been the case in my own life. I think it's pretty common for young boys to have dreams of being an athlete. Say, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a baseball player. I know that I did. Yeah. Sounds like athletics was pretty significant for you as a youth as well. But you actually had some significant opportunities that arose as a consequence of that interest and skill. Yeah, I had those same dreams and found myself a part of some successful teams in high school, in particular our high school football team went on to win the state championship in Missouri, and there were a few of us on that team that were recruited to play in college. And I had the opportunity to visit some different institutions to consider being a student athlete at at various places. And I had worked hard academically, and it was important to me to go to a school that I thought would challenge me in that regard as well as athletically. And I ended up going to Duke University in North Carolina and playing football. And Duke's not known for its football team, but it is known for its academics and plays in a highly competitive conference and and I was excited about being a part of a team that that might change the fortunes of Duke and football and and that's a, a big thing to shoot for but had the chance to go to school there and and to play uh, division one football and still at that time had the dream of playing professionally and was fortunate that after school the the coach that I played for in college for three years, Steve Spurrier went to the United States Football League as a head coach and invited me and and even some others from our team at Duke to come and be a part of starting that new franchise. So that became a, a significant experience, particularly as a young person, having a chance to realize uh, some dreams. Well, I'll say it. there's a clear path to professional football for you, which sounded pretty aligned with your ambitions as a youth. Right. I pretty much had thought that, uh, you know, this was why I was here. And I I didn't mention a a third sort of passion of mine, even from a very young age, and that was my faith. And so to think about myself as either a singer or a musician or an athlete, I did so from a very early age, from a, a faith perspective, that these were gifts that God had given me and that I was trying to honor God through the use of those gifts. And I would say that as I went to college, that the real focus became athletics and, and football in particular, and uh, the thought that, you know, that I might have a, a long career as a player and the opportunity to play for one team led in the USFL led to a, a chance to try out for an NFL team. And, and almost as quickly as that opportunity was given to me, I, I hesitated to accept that and it was taken from me and was a very devastating loss in my life at, at that point because it felt like I had uh, squandered uh, something that I'd worked so hard for and that I had disappointed God and also had failed to utilize my gifts uh, to the best of my ability and and for the the sake of the influence that I might 
have had as a professional athlete on others. And that was devastating for me. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to stay in athletics for a while after that, but but also felt a great loss and disappointment. And, and for me, it was more the regret of not knowing what might have happened there had I not hesitated to accept an invitation to, to try or to try out with an NFL team. And it's not that I didn't want to do that. It's just that it kind of caught me off guard because I was participating on one team and had a chance to try out for another. And it surprised me. And and at the same time, uh, I didn't find myself ready to just jump in there full go. And it took me a few years, uh, several years, really, to kind of get over that personally. It's not something that I talked about openly, but it's something that I was quite aware of and just realizing that sometimes dreams don't come true because uh, you've tried hard and you've done the best you could. And other times they, they don't come true just because you you sort of miss the opportunity. And it's it's helped me appreciate both gain some perspective for thinking about life and about what really matters in life and also for the ways in which Sometimes our greatest hurts and failures can become our greatest gifts because they help to make us more compassionate and understanding of others and also towards ourselves. And it, it sounds trite or cliche that, to say, I think, that, you know, when one door closes, another opens. But that's certainly been the case in my own life, that, that when I thought that it was a dead end, it turned out to be an opportunity for something else. And I found myself in Nashville, Tennessee, Uh, in divinity school and uh, coaching at Vanderbilt University and also in a a music environment where I could learn to write songs and and develop my skills as a a singer-songwriter and a musician and and also was a place where I met my wife and started my family. But, uh, you know, looking back, you know, hindsight is certainly much clearer and it all seems to make a lot more sense than it did at the time. But I can see that that those same interests that I had were still available to me, though to a different extent, to to be involved in music, to be involved in athletics, and to uh, develop uh, as a person of faith. Can you talk a bit more about how the opportunity with the NFL team came about and and why you say it was taken from you? Yeah. Well, I was I was actually visiting a friend of mine who lived in in Miami at the time. And uh, his family, his father was friends with uh, the head coach of the Dolphins, Don Shula, at the time. And he actually arranged uh, for me to have a tryout. And uh, I just happened to be there the exact weekend that uh, weekend just prior to their preseason camp starting. You know, one thing led to another and I was there at the training camp. I tested with them, did some physical tests with them and ran and um, did some timing events and things like that for them. And the next thing I knew, they, they, you know, they offered me a chance to try out, um, which would have started right then and there. And, and I found myself just sort of hesitant in that moment to just say, yes, I'd like to do this. And, and because of that hesitation, I, I lost uh, you know, literally, it was just taken from me right then because they needed to know in that moment. And as a young person, I didn't have the I didn't have the wherewithal really to explain myself or to ask for 
a little time to to think it through. Nor did nor did the situation really warrant that. I think I learned a lot about myself in that moment, and I'm still learning from that experience. I realize that I'm the kind of person who needs a little time to think things through and to get geared up for things. And life doesn't always provide you with that luxury. And so I I was hurt by the fact that I didn't have that luxury at that moment to have a little time to kind of shift gears myself and consider what was at stake more fully. And, you know, the truth is that I was a long shot to make it, you know, that I might have been cut a day later, a week later, or a few weeks later, and I was a free agent. And, you know, free agents are not always, they're certainly not guaranteed of making a team. But the regret that I have had to live with is just not knowing because I I didn't try or I wasn't given the chance, didn't give myself the chance to to try to see that through to see what would have happened. But that that opportunity led to the opportunity to go back to the the team I was with in the USFL. And we, we played in London that summer. And then I tried out the next year and made that team. And and I was fortunate enough to have another opportunity to play professionally, albeit in a, a different situation. But it was, in many ways, the, the pain of that experience of, of missing that shot at the NFL that wounded me in a way that, that also, I think, led to some, of, uh, you know, to some early wisdom and, and some, uh, some sense of compassion about life and the way that I treat myself or treat others as they go through difficulties or challenges or, or dreams that don't come true or uh, the struggles of, of trying to realize what's been dreamed about from the time that someone is a little child to the time they become an adult and also sort of reshaping what, what's really important in one's life. How did you address that in the moment? You know, we use the word devastating, and I'm sure that seeing that dream slip away must have truly been devastating at that point. How did you cope with that at that particular time? Well, initially, I just accepted it and didn't, you know, I didn't show on the outside. I don't think I showed that I was very disappointed to anyone. But inwardly, I was crushed and I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. You know, I felt I felt great disappointment that I had that I had hesitated, that I had not given it what I would say would have been my best shot, that I didn't have that the chance to do that and to kind of regroup and completely put myself into that experience. So I, I was deeply saddened by that, and I I had some time then really to grieve over that and to try to put back the the pieces in a way, but it it took quite a while. I mean, it took initially, you know, it took several weeks to just of of having some time where I wasn't, I was sort of between jobs at that point and I didn't have a great deal of responsibility. So I had a lot of time to think it through, but it also sort of gave me some, some renewed desire to put myself into the other opportunity I had, which was also to play football uh, in, the, in the United States Football League and to, and to give that my best shot and to not miss out on that. And, and that's what I ended up doing. You know, in part, I just learned that things are not, they're never really final. I mean, you, you might have to let go of something, but there's also something else that you can work towards and, and put your energy towards. And, you know, it allowed me to, to find some, some great resolve to, to move forward in a different direction in a way. 
So when things started unfolding at Nashville, when you started, these opportunities started emerging, did you see them as opportunities at the time? Or was that something that came in retrospect? No, I think that I began pretty quickly to see to see things as opportunities in retrospect. I, I moved back to Tampa where I was, you know, trying out for this other team and things started coming together in a different way there. I mean, I, I was getting on an elevator in downtown Tampa and the door opened and there stood one of the youth workers from my high school youth group in St. And I'd grown up in St. Louis and they, he and his wife happened to be living there and they sort of took me in and, and helped me get more acclimated there in that community. And I had a friend who called me, who was part of the team there, but he was a little older than I was. And he invited me to live with him. And life just started coming together in the in that different context. And, and that helped me to just kind of realize that, you know, life goes on. And, and this is a pretty minor thing in the big scheme of things. And, and it's certainly not the kind of suffering most people experience in their lives. And soon after that, a year or so later, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And, and the same thing happened there. There were just lots of connections made. And I had opportunities to coach because of the experiences I'd had, partly in Tampa, but also in, in college at Duke. Uh, one of my coaches was at Vanderbilt at that point, And he helped me get a graduate assistant position. And I got into graduate school there and started school and, and then started making connections in the music business and, and started to work on on that part of my interests. And so things quickly kind of settled in a way that, you know, that were very good for me. And I realized that it was important to just to keep moving forward and to, and to keep doing the things that I loved and, and to keep, you know, following my bliss, in this case, the, you know, the things that I was interested in and other doors opened and, and there were still opportunities to share those gifts in, in other situations. Well, it certainly sounds like music has been a common theme throughout your life and your journey. What role would you say that music has played in your personal spiritual journey? Well, it's been a way for me to communicate with people and even for myself in ways that, that mere words don't provide or, or other venues don't provide. I guess in, in one sense, I'm grateful just for the, the love of music and the, the joy of singing really in an informal way. I mean, it, I'm just liable to break out into a song, you know, when I'm by myself at, at any moment and just to express myself and to and there's something physical about that that I enjoy, but it's also spiritual in that it it feels like it comes from a place deep within and to also have the chance to do that more formally, whether that be in a in a nightclub or in a, a church worship service or uh, just with a gathering of friends to be able to to repeat a song that I've learned for others as a way of sharing a story or a way of conveying an emotion has been a, a pretty powerful thing and something that I've appreciated uh, throughout my life. Maybe in a related sense, one of the ways that you describe yourself is as a storyteller. I wonder if you have some reflections about the power of story and how that has affected the way that you are in the world. 
Well, I think I've come to appreciate that all of our lives are, they're essentially stories more than anything else, just the experiences that we've had. And I've certainly had my own that have shaped who I am and how I've gotten to this point in my own development as a human being on this planet. And I've found that as a a preacher that, you know, to tell a story is usually something that people are more readily going to identify with or remember or to grab them at different levels in a way that they they can sort of find the connection for themselves as opposed to just talking about concepts or or you know speaking of theories or, or things like that it it's certainly the example that that Jesus gave us that in telling parables he he was able to connect with people on various levels and also to give them something to to hang on to and that they could remember and I think, you know, some of my favorite songs and songwriters are those who, who just tell a story and who find a way of conveying something quickly and easily through a song and through the story that the song tells that is captivating. And the older I get, the more I appreciate the, the power of stories to kind of capture the energy of what it means to be alive and, and what it means to be in relationship with with each other and with this planet. And, you know, without stories, we, we, we really wouldn't have anything to say. So your path has evolved in some unexpected ways and you found yourself in State College, Pennsylvania. What, uh, what are you up to now? What, what current project in your world are you most enthusiastic about? Well, I'm, I'm a part of the development of what we're calling the wheelhouse here in central Pennsylvania, in particular, out of the State College Presbyterian Church, and it's a new outreach ministry that is attempting to bring some of the best practices of what we do with children and youth to adults of all ages and stages of life. And the wheelhouse is really an attempt to help engage people at, at the very level, that uh, that congruent level that you've spoken of, that where, where things kind of come together in a way that brings people alive and that helps people to, to offer their best, the best of who they are to the world, uh, for the sake of the world, for the sake of something greater. I really believe that, that for the church to survive, it's got to find a way to meet people where they are, and to bring out the best in who people are with the, the belief and the understanding that there's the, the spark of the divine in, in each of us and whatever we call that, that the names and the words we use are not nearly as important as the experiences we're having that are our alive moments and opportunities, sort of windows to our souls and to uh, the reasons that each of us have been put here. And, and I believe that those reasons have everything to do with what the world needs, as well as what brings us the greatest joy as individuals and as a community, and that we need to help people find those places of congruence. And, and when we do that, we're in our wheelhouse, so to speak. We're in that place where, where the stuff comes together and where we're liable to hit a home run with our life, that we're, we're finding a place where we are fully alive and engaged and present in the moment. And we're honoring, we're honoring the, the reason for our being. 
And there are some practices that have been uh, important in my work with young people here over the years. I, I've worked with high school youth for the past 18 years, and, and we meet together in, in small groups, and we do service work locally and nationally in, uh, in different communities. We teach contemplative practices to the youth, and so they have a respect for time alone and for prayer and for an openness to relationship with something greater than themselves, with God, with with a higher power, with the mystery of life, and that that calls us to some sort of service, to some giving back or some giving away, quite literally, of our lives, of who we are, to serve others, to serve creation, to, to care for something outside of ourselves. And I think that people of all ages and stages of life are hungry for that, that we all are are eager to do something useful with our talents and our gifts. And the wheelhouse uh, attempts to do that or attempts to to help people discover that. So we do discernment work with people. We take them on retreats. We introduce them to natural settings in a way that helps them to find the place that's most natural in them. And we talk about mirroring or seeing how the soul is reflected in the natural world around them and how we're invited to to create or to find pathways that enable us to bring our gifts uh, uniquely to the world around us. Everything that you've been saying has been related to authenticity and congruence, but do you have any any final thoughts about either of those topics for our, our listeners? It is in many ways a lifelong task for each of us, I think, to find our most authentic selves and to be most authentic with who we are and with the lives we've been given. And and we need to help each other with that, that it's, it's not so easy to do that alone. But we also need to be careful about the ways in which we conform to expectations that are really outside of ourselves. And the church has certain expectations, too, just like the culture around us. And they're not always as great or as full or as big, I think, as the vision that we were born with and the potential that's in each one of us. And so I I think that the, the great task of our life is to be in touch with that still small voice within us, which knows, I think, from the time we were born, why we were here. And it, and it often takes sort of moving into a, a deeper, fuller adulthood to discover that and to find the ways that we can, we can bring those gifts to the world and uh, to find the appropriate delivery systems for our soul, as Bill Plotkin would put it, that it takes time for those things to be discovered and to and to be honed. And there's a certain artistry to that that I think is exciting as we as we mature and as we age. The expression of that becomes very different than it would have been when I was you know, 23 years old and thought I was a football player. And you know, that's a very small way to look at my life. Or even as a 35-year-old to think of myself just as a, a singer-songwriter. I mean, you know, those, those things provide a, an avenue of expression. But I think the, the bigger thing is to be who we were created to be in whatever setting we're, we're called to. And it doesn't have to be spectacular, and it, it rarely is. And if spectacles involved, then, you know, there may be a way in which we've sort of missed the boat because it's not about fame and fortune. It's it's a much humbler thing. But I think there's a there's a greatness in our humility 
and in simply being who we were created to be that is shared often just with a few other people or even one other person or in a small area, small community, and that the real calling is to just to just be yourself in in whatever setting you find yourself in, to just to just love somebody, uh, to love something, to to let another love you and to to be compassionate and to care and uh, to do that with every fiber of your being, that that's really what it means, I think, ultimately to, to discover bliss or to discover great joy, that it's in loving neighbor's self, as Jesus would say. And as simple as those words are, you know, we complicate them greatly. And, and I think it's really in in the end it's a very simple thing to just to just be present and to just give of ourselves as we're capable and able in in each and every moment of our lives that sounds like a great way to conclude and and wrap up so uh joel blunk thank you very much for spending this time and and sharing your stories with me and you're welcome i hope that you enjoyed that conversation with joel blunk One of the things that we didn't talk about during the interview is a rites of passage program that Joel leads for young adults called The Crossings. I was grateful for the opportunity to assist with that program in central Pennsylvania a couple of weeks ago. Really great stuff. Many thanks to those in the state college community who have and continue to pour their energy and hearts into that work. That's a very valuable gift to our young men and women, and to this and future generations. This is episode number eight, so you can access the webpage for this episode by going to acongruentlife.net slash eight in your web browser. Thanks again for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. If you enjoy this program, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a quick moment to leave a positive review in the iTunes store. That's really helpful to a young podcast like this one. There's a link for that at the top of the website at acongruentlife.net. You can also subscribe to our community list on the right sidebar. Thanks again. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at acongruentlife.net. See you next time.